Jesus loves me. He loves me. He loves me. He loves me. And it sounds so simple. Just, you may hear your children going around singing it, and you may have sung it while growing up, and it's just a simple children's song. Wrong. If we truly come to the knowledge that my Jesus loves me, then we'll be just like what happened in the drama. We'll know the freedom of the Lord. We will truly know his love, and we can walk in his liberty We can walk in his truth. Think about what we are truly saying when we say Jesus loves me. Jesus, the King of kings, the Lord of lords, the Messiah, our Savior, our Deliverer, our Healer, our Beloved, the bright and morning star. He loves me. Don't even think about it as saying, well, he loves you. He loves Bruce and Donna, and he loves Jim and Mary. He loves me. He loved me when I messed up last week. He loved me when I was created. He loves me. And when we get the truth of that, there's freedom. There's um, healing. There's all that God has for us flowing into our lives. You know, it doesn't mean that we're never going to go through trials. Sometimes we go through problems and we think, Jesus isn't there for me. He loves Rachel. She's the pastor's wife. But what about me? Jesus, where are you at? But we need to realize the trials come. The battles are there. But Jesus is our redeemer. And he's our lover. And he's our savior. And he's the one that carries us through. He never fails us as we follow him. You've heard many times, I'm sure, about Smith Wigglesworth, a mighty man of God. In his book, it says that he woke up one night and he saw Satan standing beside his bed. Now, I don't know about you, but I'm not quite there yet where Smith was at. And he looked at Satan and he said, oh, it's just you. And he turned over and went back to sleep. I probably would have been calling Mary and Brownie and Nancy saying, get over here. We need to have a prayer meeting. But he had the revelation, Jesus, you love me. Satan, if you want me, you're going to have to go through him who already paid the price so that we could go free. I was reading about Corrie ten Boom. Most of you are familiar with her. A wonderful Christian woman, Dutch woman, who her and her family helped many escape death during the Holocaust. And when her and her sister Betsy were put into prison, they didn't ask God, why us? They didn't quit serving God. They just kept saying, Jesus, you love me. And they looked for opportunities in the concentration camp to serve their Lord. They witnessed to other prisoners, they witnessed to guards. They saw poverty, they saw death, they saw um, people starving to death. They never knew, it wasn't just day from day, but they didn't know minute by minute what was about to happen. But they kept rejoicing in the Lord, their Savior, because they knew he loved them. And regardless of where they were at and what was going on, he was there. 
that he never left them. When Betsy left, or when Betsy, right before she died, she made a statement, and it says, there is no pit so deep that God's love is not deeper still. Think about that. Some of you may be in places where you think, God, there's no way that you can move. Jesus, there's no way that your love can see me through. It doesn't matter how far down in the pit you may be. His love is there. His love is there to surround us, to encompass us, to see us through whatever we have to go through. As it says in Psalm 91, that he who dwells in the secret place of the Most High shall abide under the shadow of the Almighty. I will say of the Lord, he is my refuge and my fortress. My God in him will I trust. Job said, yet though you slay me, I will trust you. I'm sure some of you have walked out that love and you've seen that love in action. I remember several years ago when my father was dying and he called me over to his bed to pray and I thought he wanted me to pray for him, but that wasn't it. He took my hands and he began to pray. Prayers of thanksgiving, not God heal me, not God take care of me, not God keep me from this pain. But he just began to thank God, to thank his Lord for everything he had. That's awesome, isn't it? Knowing that Jesus loves us that much. And regardless of what we're going through, he's there. We saw it in Pastor Eric. I remember during that last um, episode of cancer, when he was knowing that death was right there, how many of us did he call and say, how are you doing? You've been on my heart. I wanted to check on you. That's knowing the love of Jesus Christ and letting that love flow out of us. Not being bound by fear, not being bound by worry, not being bound by what's going to happen next, but being free in knowing the love of Jesus Christ. You have your Bibles. Look at Isaiah 43. We're going to look at verses 1 through 3. This is a scripture that I love. And I was thinking about this as I was going through yesterday, and I thought every time I came to a scripture, it's like, oh, I love that one. I love that one. Most of these are my favorite ones because they are who Jesus is, his love his redemption, his power. Isaiah 43, beginning with verse 1. But now thus saith the Lord, who created you, O Jacob, and he that formed you, O Israel, fear not, for I have redeemed you, I have called you by name, you are mine. When you pass through the waters, I will be with you, and through the rivers, they shall not overflow you. When you walk through the fire, you shall not be burned, nor shall the flame scorch you. For I am the Lord your God, the Holy One of Israel, your Savior. That is who Jesus is to us, our Redeemer. He created us. Our God created us. He formed us. And he knows us by name. Just like that song we sang earlier. He knows us by name. And when he, doesn't, when he looks at us, he doesn't say, oh, there's Nancy who messes up royally. 
Or there's Mary who cries all the time. Or there's Jim who didn't know what he was supposed to do this morning. He says, no, there's Mary, my child. I created her. I love her. She's mine. There's a possessiveness in that love. He loves us. He is possessive with that love. And when we realize that possessiveness, we will be able, just like Smith Wigglesworth say, get out of here. I am covered by the blood of Jesus Christ. I am his. Yes, I may walk through the waters, but Jesus is there with me. I may go through the fire, but I'm not going to be scorched. I'm his, and he is mine. He is my Savior, and he is my Redeemer. You know, I was thinking about Drew, seeing some of the things you write on Facebook about your little boys and your little girls. That's a possessive love. And I dare say if someone would come up and try to take one of those little boys, he wouldn't say, oh, I've got two more, take them. You would have to fight him for them. Jesus' love is so much greater, so much greater that he gave all so that we could know that love and so that we could walk in that love. Turn to John chapter 15. I'm going to look at verses 13 through 16. Greater love has no one than this. There's no greater love. No greater love than to lay down one's life for his friends. You are my friends if you do whatever I command you. No longer do I call you servants, for a servant does not know what his master is doing. But I have called you friends. For all things that I've heard from my father I have made known to you. You did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you that you should go and bear fruit. And your fruit should remain, that whatever you ask the Father in my name, he may give you. Are you like me sometimes? You say, Jesus, are you really here? Do you really love me as much as you love this person? But he proved his love for us. There was nothing more, there is nothing more that he could do. He's done it all. He died on the cross. And look at this, he says he died for his friends. Do we always act like his friends? Or are we like Peter sometimes who runs off to do his own thing? But it says he died for his friends. He died for the ones that put him on the cross, saying, Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. He died for us. He laid down his life for us. And then it says that he didn't, we didn't choose him. He chose us. He pursued us. He wanted us. Sometimes we don't even like being around ourselves. But he loves to be with us. He chose us. And he appointed us. He gave a purpose to us and a calling to us to bear fruit. And to bear it more abundantly. And he even goes on to say that whatever you ask in my name, 
I will give it to you. It's a love that just keeps giving and giving and giving. He gave his all, and he just keeps giving. Knowing that, why do we believe the lies of the enemy? The lies that says you don't care. The lies that says you don't really love me. After all, I did this and this and this. How could you be there for me? Jesus, you can't really use me. I'm just a nobody. I'm inadequate, I'm unworthy, and I've got this past, and I keep blowing up with you, Lord. I keep losing it. And Jesus said, come to me. I chose you. I appointed you. And as it says in Isaiah, you are mine. You are mine. I call you by name, my beloved, that we are his. We say, I can't, I can't, I can't, but, but, but. And Jesus says, no, I love you. You're mine. Jesus gave all, even to the point of laying down his life and all of his heavenly rights to come down to earth as a man, still fully God, but as a man to die for us. Once again, who else would do that for you? Who else? Would you give one of your little boys for me? I make a good euchre partner, but not to lay down your life, huh? We wouldn't. We wouldn't. But Jesus did. In Philippians, if you still have your Bible open, turn to Philippians chapter 2. And I'll look at verses 5 through 11. Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus, who, being in the form of God, did not consider it robbery to be equal with God, but made himself of no reputation, taking the form of a bondservant and coming in the likeness of men. And being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient to the point of death, even the death of the cross. Therefore God also has highly exalted him and given him the name which is above every name that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow of those in heaven and of those on earth and of those under the earth, and that every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. It says he made himself of no reputation for me and for you. He made himself as a bondservant for me and for you. It says he became obedient even to the point of death. And through that, he was highly exalted to the highest place of honor, becoming the king of kings and the Lord of lords. And he still calls us friend. Even when we mess up. Even when we don't want to give up our rights to take up what he wants us to do. He still calls us friends. And he still calls us our beloved I know when I was going over this, one of the things I wanted us to see was, it doesn't matter what you've done. And it doesn't matter how you see yourself. It doesn't matter how big the circumstances. It doesn't matter how great the loss. If we can understand, Jesus loves us. If we can follow him, 
and truly give him our lives, then we will have his power in his presence that will take us through whatever. You know, if you listen to the news, how depressing is that? And you hear about, well, these are probably the end times. And you question what's going to happen. You know, all we need to know is, my Jesus loves me. I am redeemed. I am called by his name. I'm his, and he is mine. And he will take us through. He will take us through. He laid down his life. He laid down his life. A lot of times when we think about him laying down his life, I don't think we really comprehend what took place. He died on the cross. But he was rejected, even by his own family, his friends, by his disciples. He was despised. He was beaten, and he was put upon the cross. And he could have stepped down at any point. But no. He said, I love Rick and Terry. I love Jim and Belinda. I love Shirley. I have to do this so that I can give them life as they follow me. And so he continued. In Isaiah 53, I know Aaron looked at the scripture a few weeks ago. I want to look at it again, verses 1 through um, 12. It says, Who has believed our report? And to whom has the arm of the Lord been revealed? For he shall grow up before him as a tender plant, and as a root out of dry ground. He has no form of comeliness, and when we see him, there is no beauty that we should desire him. He is despised and rejected by men, a man of sorrows and acquainted with grief. And we hid, as it were, our faces from him. He was despised, and we did not esteem him. Surely he, was, surely he has borne our griefs and carried our sorrows. Yet we esteemed him stricken, smitten by God, and afflicted. But he was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement for our peace was upon him. And by his stripes we are healed. All we like sheep have gone astray. We have turned every one to his own way. And the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. He was oppressed and he was afflicted, yet he opened not his mouth. He was led as a lamb to the slaughter, and as a sheep before his shearers is silent. So he opened not his mouth. He was taken from prison and from judgment. And who will declare his generation? Where he was cut off from the land of the living. For the transgressions of my people he was stricken, and they made his grave with the wicked, but with the rich at his death, because he has done no violence nor was any deceit in his mouth. Yet it pleased the Lord to bruise him. He has put him to grief when you make his soul an offering of sin. He shall see his seed, he shall prolong his days, and the pleasure of the Lord shall prosper in his hand. He shall see the labor of his soul, and be satisfied by his knowledge. My righteous servant shall justify many, for he shall bear their iniquities. Therefore I will divide him a portion with the great, and he shall divide the spoil with the strong, because he poured out his soul unto death, and he was numbered with the transgressors, and he bore the sins of many, and made intercession for the transgressors. A prophetic voice coming out of Isaiah of Jesus Christ coming in his death. It says that he will be as a tender plant. You know, he came out of obscurity. 
but he was still the king of kings and the Lord of lords. No former comeliness on the cross. If you saw the passion of the Christ, it was a wonderful moving and very moving. But I doubt that it really portrayed what really, went ha what really happened. Beaten and crucified for us. It says he was despised and rejected by men. You know, and as I think about that, I thought, God, you know, it didn't just happen then. But how often do we despise and reject him in his ways, in his word, because we want our own way? Talks about our, our transgressions and our iniquities. What those words literally mean are wickedness and rebellion. He died for that. He died for that simply out of love. And it wasn't just for eternal life. If it would have been for eternal life only, how wonderful would that have been? But it says, by his stripes we are healed. That he has given us abundant life. That according to history, he probably died of a broken heart. Because our sins were upon him. It's not a light thing to say Jesus loves me. We need to truly understand the depths of that and that it can liberate us. His abundant life and his eternal life. We can't look at our past. We can't look at our problems. But we have to look at Jesus Christ who paid the ultimate price simply out of love. It says that Jesus already defeated the enemy for us. Colossians 2.15. Yeah, I love this verse. It says, Having disarmed principalities and powers, he made a public spectacle of them, triumphing over them in it. It's like the, a military scene. They used to, when they de would defeat the opposing side, they would strip them down, and it would be like a parade going back into town to show the people, look what we did. It was humiliating for the, the ones that were crushed in battle. Jesus says this is what he did to Satan. He disarmed him, made a public show of him. He humiliated him. Jesus was the victor. And guess what? He gave that victory to us in his name, by his blood. What more could Jesus do? He's proven himself that he's there. Sometimes we feel dirty in his presence, don't we? If you're like me, you go through the day and say, oh, God, I'm so sorry. Lord, forgive me. I messed up again. Then it's like a half an hour later. I did it again, Lord. And by the end of the day, it's like, Lord, do you even want me in your presence? And the Lord says, I've removed your sins as far as the east is from the west. You're mine. You're mine. It's like in Zechariah chapter 3 when Joshua the high priest stood before the angel of the Lord. And he stood in filthy garments like we have sometimes. And there was Satan at his right hand to oppose him like he opposes us. Feeding us with those lies that we're not anybody that God doesn't care, that Jesus is not there for us, that his love is not enough for us. And the angel of the Lord, the Lord spoke 
to Satan and said, the Lord rebuke you. The Lord rebuke you. He had to leave because of the love of Jesus Christ. When the enemy comes against us and we stand in his name, the one who's paid the price for us, he has to leave. In Zechariah, the Lord clothed Joshua in clean garments to stand holy before the Lord. And that's what he's done for us. No sin too great, no problem too big. No inadequacy we see as too much. Jesus' love, his love never fails us, ever. It's a love full of forgiveness and mercy. He forgives us as we call out unto him. And his mercy is there. His mercy being that he doesn't give us what we deserve. What do we deserve? Not, not what Jesus did for us. But he loves us anyhow. He loves us anyhow. When we gave our life to Jesus Christ, we became that new creation. That new creation in him. Think about the thief on the cross. Very last minute. He was a thief. But he asked for the Lord's forgiveness. And Jesus said, today, you will be in paradise with me. That's the love of the Father. When I was putting this together, I thought about God's mercy. And I always think of this example with my niece. When she was a little bit younger, um, they were visiting one day, and uh, I just laid some cash in the dining room, a piece of furniture, and uh, when I went to get it, it was gone. And so I asked everyone, did you see it? And No. Like that family circus cartoon, not me, not me, not me. And a little bit later, my niece came into the living room where I was sitting, just crying. And she stood in the doorway, and she said, Aunt Nancy, I took your money. I'm sorry. What did she deserve? She didn't get it. I called her over and I said, you know, I forgive you. I love you. Don't do it again. And I gave her part of the money. That was mercy. That was mercy. Mercy doesn't mean that we're never going to face consequences, and it doesn't mean that we're not going to face correction, but it means Jesus loves us, and we don't get what we deserve. Even as we face the correction and even as we face the consequences, he says, I'm here. I love you. I love you. Jesus meets us right where we are at. If we're down in the muck and the mire, and we call out to him. He'll meet us there. If we're down in that pit, as Betsy said, his love is down there with us. David said in the Psalms, regardless of where I go, Lord, you're there. You are there. Regardless of how dark it seems, he's there. You remember the story of Lazarus. He was dead and had been dead. And as his sisters, Mary and Martha, were there crying over his death, Jesus came and he wept with them. 
the shortest verse in the Bible, Jesus wept. But so powerful because it shows he identifies with us right where we're at. Jesus knew that Lazarus was going to be raised from the dead. He knew that. He knew there was going to be a good outcome. Yet, he felt the sorrow and the grief of Mary and Martha, and he wept with them. And then he rejoiced with them as Lazarus was brought forth. Think about what you're going through with a child, in work, with a sickness. Doesn't matter. You think, Jesus, do you care? And Jesus says, I'm right here, and I see every tear. Even though I know there's something good for you, I weep with you because of that compassion of Jesus. He weeps with us, and then he rejoices with us as the miracle, as the answered prayer comes forth. Think about Peter's restoration. Peter rejected Jesus after saying not too much um, before that, Oh, Jesus, I'll never leave you. Never, ever. You found yourself like that sometimes? Jesus, I'll do whatever you want. I'll be there for you. I'll say whatever you want. And then he shows us like, I don't think so. Peter publicly, publicly ran away and cursed Jesus. But he was restored. We can read about the miracles that God used him in because he came to that place where he knew, Jesus, you love me. You forgave me. You chose me. I'm yours. And the power came forth. His love came forth. Think of Mary Magdalene. She didn't have a great past. She was a prostitute. Jesus chose her just like he has chosen each of us. And she loved him because she knew he loved her. Think about Paul, a murderer on his way to kill more. Jesus got his attention, didn't he? And his life was transformed as Paul came to that place where he knew the love of his Savior. Regardless of what it is and how big it is, he loves us. When we sang that song this morning, he knows my name. He knows my every thought. That's what it is in Psalm 139, that he created us. He formed us. He knows everything about us. In Psalm 139, um, verses 13 through 15, or 16, it says, For you created my inmost parts. You knit me together in my mother's womb. I praise you because I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Your works are wonderful. I know that full well. My frame was not hidden from you when I was made in the secret place, when I was woven together in the depths of the earth. Your eyes saw my unformed body. All the days ordained for me were written in your book before one of them came to be. How precious to me are your thoughts, O God. How vast is the sum of them. Were I to count them, they would outnumber the grains of sand. When I awake, I am still with you. How many of you have visited a beach lately? Last year? Uh, Shirley, what beach did you go to? Myrtle Beach. 
Now, when you were at Myrtle Beach, did you count every grain of sand that was on that beach? How many would you say were there? Couldn't count them, could we? Think about this. That is the love of Jesus. Every grain of sand that was there representing every good thought that he has toward us. That would be a good exercise sometimes. Go get a bucket of sand and pull one out and say, proclaim the love of Jesus Christ toward you. That would turn our thoughts around. And what do you think that would do to the enemy? That he would have enough, right? Enough. It says, our Lord created us. He knows us. Yeah, he really knows us. Not just the good side that we put on when we're here in church. He knows those secret, hidden places. And he says, I love you. That my thoughts toward you are wonderful. That they're good. They're thoughts to give you a future, a hope, and a purpose. That in his eyes, we're wonderful. We are wonderful. He created us so that he could love us and spend time with us. He made us a part of his family. I'm sure all of you have those in your family that you'd just rather forget about. Am I really related to that person? My brother has written several genealogy books, and I always tell him, I'll just go to the juicy ones, you know, the juicy parts. It's like, well, you got to read it all. There's some in our history that we just as soon forget about, right? Nah, not Jesus. He says, I want you a part of my family. That through Jesus Christ, we have been adopted in and made joint heirs with him. That he's given us an inheritance. And he's given us free access right into the throne room, right into the Holy of Holies. We have a place, we belong, we're accepted, and we're loved. We're his. We're his. As you go through the day, as you go through the week, begin to think of all of the promises that Jesus has given you, that he will see you through, and that he loves you. And as those thoughts start coming, those lies of the enemy Stand up and take authority over them. Be like Smith Wigglesworth. Be like Corey Ten Boom. Be like those that are listed in the book of, of Hebrews, men and women of faith. And it all starts by realizing my Lord, my Savior, my beloved, my healer, my all in all, he loves me. And there is nothing too great and I can't be so terrible that he's not there. Call upon him and watch what happens. So I'll stand. Home group leaders, I'd like for you to come up. First, if you don't know Jesus, if you don't know that love, you can settle it today by just coming up and receiving him. Also, if you're a believer, but you still haven't comprehended how great his love is. In Romans 8, it says, what can separate us from the love of God? 
Who can bring a charge against God's elect? But Jesus gave his life for us. Nothing can separate us from that love. So if you're just walking through a dark time. And you think, Jesus, where are you? Come up and let someone pray for you so that you will understand the love of the Father. The love of our Lord. Any other needs that are here, just please feel free to come up and receive prayer.